0: Um, we are kickstarting this new term um, with a little mini series that we've been wanting to do for a little while now. Um, I think we can all agree that, in some form of a, some form or another, um, the COVID pandemic has shaped and moulded us um, as, as individuals, um, as a community, as a nation, and globally for the last two years. Um, and I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like life has taken off at an even quicker pace since lockdowns and isolations have kind of petered off um, or are less common at least. Almost like we've been making up for lost time. Um, And so we just want to press pause for a little minute Um, we want to take some time to reflect and to process before we look ahead Um, because we think this is a really important step to living more whole and moving forward more healthily and so we're going to take the month of may um, to do three things the first of which is today so the first thing we're going to do in order to become more healthy and more whole is we are going to process loss Um, So have a time of mourning some losses, um, engaging with any sorrows from the last two years. The second thing we're going to be doing next week is we're going to be looking at forgiveness. Um, We're going to be identifying and um, processing where we're holding on to hurt and pain caused by others. And the third one, um, in two weeks' time, we'll be looking at how we can rebuild, um, considering ways in which we can move forward as individuals, as a community, as society, more healthily and more intentionally. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A few nods. So before we dig in, we always have a little moment where we can chat to the people around us. So we're going to take um, a couple of minutes with the people around you sort of threes or fours or whatever, um, and I'd like you to write down or on your phone or whatever, come up with as many phrases or words that have, you have either discovered and come to understand in the last two years, like quarantine, um, or entirely made-up words and phrases that are now part of our normal language, like Zoom fatigue. So you've got a couple of minutes, have a chat, get come as many words and phrases as you can in the next couple of minutes and we'll hear back. All right, what have we come up with? It's clearly caused a lot of little chit chat. What words or phrases have we come to know and understand or have been totally made up in a now normal part of our language in the last two years? You're on mute. Oh, you're on mute. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on mute. Uh, can you unmute yourself? Anti-vax, did you say? Okey-dokey. Anti-vax, that's something that's been coming up a lot. Stay safe. Stay safe. Uh, hmm? Hands, face, space. Yes, Becky. Stay home, stay safe, protect the NHS. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting coming out of hives a little bit. What do you say, Aaron? Herd immunity. Herd. immunity, absolutely. That's something that's come to the fore. If you're not, that way, bubble. <laughs> that's a great one. Clinically vulnerable, absolutely. If that's not you anyway, that's suddenly come onto our radar. Social distancing. Party gate. (laughs) LFT, yeah, LFT is a good one. Unprecedented Unprecedented times. Oh man, I feel like we could go on for a long time. And I genuinely am feeling a little bit anxious again as we bring all of these words back up. Because it has been quite a journey over the last two years, hasn't it? Um, and so I wanted today to start or to reignite for some of us um, a stage of reflection of this journey for us. Because as I said earlier, it feels like society is now moving at 100 miles an hour um, in this kind of semi post COVID world. Um, everyone wants to meet back together to do everything like there's no space to be ill or tired because we've just spent two years doing that haven't we Um, and you can only stop if you've got two little lines and even then there's very no 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 that's gonna set me off in a minute um and even then um there's very little testing anymore um, and so we actually don't have to stop anymore do we um and with or oh what am i saying Yes, we're not stopping basically. Everything is suddenly available again um, and the demand of that availability um, is massive. Like maximum life busyness is now up for grabs again. Um, And I almost feel like a sense of duty to like plow headlong back into that. Like I owe it to the last two years of Emily. Like you deserve this busyness or something. Um, And as a society, we're never stopping because actually the next big thing has happened and is happening and our attention has been rightly drawn to the war in ukraine and there's always a next and there's always a next and there's always a next as a society we don't have time to stop and reflect and with all this i don't know about you but i have been left feeling quite edgy as i've already said I'm starting to like trigger words and stuff and because i'm noticing i'm a lot more tired recently Um, i'm even more emotional than usual which i didn't think was possible Um, and i'm often more easily overwhelmed by life and activities and lists of to-do things Um, and so we need to press pause we need to slow down not for slowing down's sake um, but actually, to pause and reflect on what the heck just happened, because we want to move forward healthily. And so I have to ask myself, why does this picture, or this picture, why does that make me even just fleetingly just go, oh, mm, because that's not healthy? I should be able to see a test and go, okay. All right, and actually it makes me just feel a little bit sick in my stomach. Like, am I just being silly? Do I need to just get over myself? Do we just need to crack on and just kind of create a bit of distance between ourselves and the pandemic? Time always helps, right? Like, just pretend we're fine until we are fine. Or do we need to, even for a moment, just process a few things? maybe we need to grieve a few losses because i reckon we could all identify something or some things that we lost either permanently or temporarily during covid and if we don't take the opportunity to process that then we don't move forward as healthily as we could our society is going great guns like next 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 but we want to choose to live differently. We want to choose to live life more healthily than that, and we want to move forward more whole. And so um, to kick us off, I thought we would um, watch a little video. It's um, it's three minutes long, and it looks at what goes on in our bodies um, when we experience loss. Um, Heads up, it's talking specifically within the context of um, the death of a loved one which I appreciate um, is close to home um, for some of us here Um, equally um, you might think well I don't feel that severely about the last two years Um, but I really encourage you to just engage um, and see if you can identify anything that comes up that you can go ah that's me, or it has been me in the last two years. Any similarities um, for you? So if you can see the screen, brilliant. If you can't, feel free to move to this middle section, um, and here's a little video for us.
1: When we're grieving a profound loss, we often say we're heartbroken, but it might be more accurate to call it brain broken, given the role the brain plays in grief. As your brain adjusts to the loss of someone you love, you might feel numb, depressed, or foggy, but moving through the stages of grief is natural and healthy. It helps you process your loss and begin to move forward over time. This is Your Brain On, where we explore how the world affects our brains and ourselves. The experience of grief is twofold, the immediate acute pain of the loss and the months afterward as you mourn. The loss of someone meaningful functions as a stressor, triggering the pituitary gland at the base of the brain to produce adrenocorticotrophin, or ACTH, ACTH sends a signal to the adrenal gland to release cortisone, a stress hormone. Unlike, say, a temporary threat, grief is an intense, persistent stressor so your body remains flooded with cortisone. That can cause your immune system to falter, making you feel run down. This is likely why some bereaved spouses fall ill soon after their partner dies. Even if the death of your loved one was expected, the actual event can still feel like a shock to the system. In the short term, a traumatized brain is bottom heavy meaning primitive areas, including the fear center, are overactive, adding to feelings of stress and despair. Meanwhile, higher cortical areas of the brain are underactive, like the anterior cingulate cortex, which helps regulate emotion. You may find it difficult to let go of minor annoyances or experience symptoms like increased heart rate for several minutes after you're startled. However, over time, the initial shock of the loss typically gives way to a deep sadness or depression as you continue to mourn. Depression can cause widespread changes across several parts of the brain, including the amygdala, which regulates sleep, behavior, and mood, and the hippocampus, which processes memory and regulates stress hormones. These changes disrupt core functions of our bodies and minds. As you grieve, you may find yourself sleeping too little or too much, forgetting things or trapped in a brain fog. These feelings are difficult, but the acute pain doesn't last forever. Eventually, the sadness begins to lift at least a little bit, and then you may move on to feelings of anger or guilt before slowly moving toward acceptance of the loss. Experts agree that bereaved follow their own individual timelines, but in general this three-stage process usually takes about a year. There are steps you can take to feel better as you go through the grieving process. Talk therapy can be a major help. This might be group bereavement meetings or cognitive behavioral therapy, which can redirect negative thoughts. Aerobic exercise can improve mood, memory, and thought processing. Talking with friends about the person you lost can be a great comfort, too. Studies show long-term grief actually activates neurons in the reward centers of the brain. And recalling the time spent with those who have died reminds us that the memories still live on.
0: All right. I wonder how many of us can relate to anything in that short video um, over the last couple of years. How many of us have experienced feeling run down? Could it be because of the persistent stressor of the seemingly never-ending nature that COVID had? I wonder how many of us have experienced an overactive fear center, feelings of stress or despair in the last couple of years? Or how many of us find ourselves still easily frustrated, quickly unsettled or shaken? Can anyone relate, and I know I certainly do, um, to disrupted sleep patterns or forgetfulness and brain fog? Like, that was a really helpful term for me to describe how I felt last term, just like kind of foggy-brained, like functioning, but not quite able to make decisions or um, do things as I would normally. Um, And although there could be many reasons for these, I wonder actually if there's any unidentified or unprocessed loss um, or pain from the last couple of years that is presenting itself physically. Now, at Gloucester Vineyard Church, we talk about being a community of hope and joy. Um, And would you know that paradoxical as it might sound, I genuinely believe that we cannot be that community healthily or authentically if we are not talking about loss and pain. So follow me on this one. You see, I believe in the biblical God who is the epitome of love. And I believe that we are designed and created by and for love. And with love, as I'm sure many of us here have experienced, With love comes pain. Not consistently, obviously, not like some horror chamber of love, Um, but when you love someone and that someone is in pain, you stand right alongside that person and you hurt with them, right? Or when you value something whether it's a physical thing or a principle and that gets lost or broken you feel that loss and that brokenness yourself and so where there is love inevitably there comes pain which to live to live healthily and wholly it needs processing we are meant to be people who engage with loss and pain in being people of love, we cannot avoid it. Like, we cannot love our neighbors as ourselves and not feel grief when life hits the fan for them. We are meant to be people who engage with loss and pain. Not in kind of in like an endless, woe is me, weeping and wailing of hopeless despair, but actually um, looking at the whole picture of the world, including the brokenness, the loss and the pain and saying, I shouldn't be like this. By engaging with loss and pain, we become more fully human. We feel with humanity We exhibit love for humanity by sharing in its pain. Um, And in this way, we reflect the loving God. And so we're going to take a couple of minutes now. Um, There are pens and paper at the back. Diane, would you be able to just hand some out? And there's some at the front. Um, Could I ask someone? Naomi, could you mind just grab some pens and some paper, or you might want to write some stuff down on your phone or however you want to write things down. Um, But we're going to take a couple of minutes now to identify any areas um, of our life from the past two years um, in which we feel loss and pain from the pandemic. Um, don't worry I'm not going to ask you to share it with everyone um, but for some of us it is as clear as day I have lost my taste and smell and it's still not back or I've lost my energy and it's not coming back as quickly as I used to or I lost my job due to COVID um, for other for others of us um, this may be something that you can kind of get your head over um, that you can kind of get your head over but it is still a loss um, so something like um an expected holiday or a reunion of some sort didn't happen and you lost that moment um, and there's just some unmet expectations of how you thought the last two years were going to go um, for yet others of us there may be loss not directly related to to covid but affected by it nonetheless um, like not being able to show off our newborn baby or not celebrating a marriage in the way that we had hoped or not mourning the loss of a loved one in a connected way. So we're just gonna take a couple of minutes. Um, Ryan, could you play a little bit of music? The next logical, healthy question to ask from that then is what do we do with this? What do we do with these losses? Like how do we process these in order to move forward in health? And I would like to put forward the suggestion of lament um, as one way in which we can engage with processing loss. So lament um, is a bit of a jargony word, um, but it essentially means the act of expressing our grief. Um, So we can use words, pictures, songs, stories, cries, whatever it is, any external way of expressing our loss and grief is lament. So, if I say lament, that's what I mean from now on. And the Bible is full of stories and poems, songs and cries of lament, of people in pain, um, people suffering loss and bringing it to God, raw, unadulterated, real as anything. There's um, there's a whole section of the Bible, a little book of the Bible called lamentations for goodness sake um and it's not to be dreary it's certainly not to be navel gazing and woe is me but it's actually um to dignify human suffering like god through the bible doesn't shy away from the pain and loss of this world by having whole parts of the Bible dedicated to lamenting and expressing grief, God is actually validating our loss and our pain and saying, come on, talk to me about it. Like suffering in silence, brushing things under the carpet, plastering on a smile, or just hoping that time will eventually temper what has happened is not the way of the God of the Bible. It is not the way of the god of the bible there's another book called psalms in the bible and it is basically packed with songs and poems written thousands of years ago um, by people relaying to god their emotions about what is happening around them just as we might today Um, so if you're ever struggling to put words together this is a great part of the bible to go to to help with that there's one psalm in particular that I always come to. I'm like, dang, that is real. It's number 13, and it's, it says, there we go. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long must I have day after day have sorrow in my heart? This is some raw emotion. We are invited by God, to vent our anger, to voice our confusion. We are encouraged to question what is happening around us. And not just aimlessly into the ether, but we are invited to bring all of ourselves to God, not a brushed-off, neat-and-tidy version of ourselves. And that is why I love Jesus, because he did this. He knew Um, what was about to happen to him before he was arrested and killed. He knew the state of the world because he lived in it. And he knew what was happening around him and then to him. um, And he knew that all of that was part of this world being broken. And he cried out with love. He cried out in lament. And he's saying it shouldn't be like this. There's a passage just before um, he died and it says he walked away about a stone's throw Um, he knelt down and he prayed father if you're willing please take this cup of suffering away from me Jesus never promised a way to opt out of the suffering of this world but instead we are promised a way to live through it we are promised that God will never leave us I believe Jesus was God in human form, um, and he loved humanity so much that his heart was broken for the state of it. Because as we said earlier, when you love someone who is in pain, you stand right alongside them and you hurt with them. This isn't a distant, aloof, disconnected God. Like Jesus lamenting in his expressing his grief, it brings God right into focus. He knows loss. He feels pain because he flipping loves the socks off us. And he feels all our affliction and sorrow with us. Like we cannot opt out of pain. But we are invited to face pain and loss. And we are invited to hold it in the presence of a powerful God. Because he knows loss, he feels pain. And I believe that he is at work to repair it, too. I believe that God made this world wisely. Um, I believe that humanity has helped very much to break this world. But that God has plans afoot. Through the authentic church, through prayer and action, God is moving and his kingdom of light and life is growing. To put this world right. Um, And this is how we can genuinely and authentically be a community of hope and joy. Because through lament, through expressing our grief, we put the brokenness of this world into a greater story based on sure hope and bringing a true joy. Lament and grief are a crucial part of the journey of faith of God's people in a broken world. Every time lament is expressed in the Bible, it is always within the context of journeying through loss um, and into joy. And so that is the invitation this afternoon to start the process of journeying through loss to find or refind joy. And so let's not pretend if we're not okay. Let's not brush things under the carpet. Let's not be distant. Let's not crack on as if we're all fine or we will be with time alone. Let's stand together as a community and love ourselves and each other by processing loss and pain through lament. And so that's exactly what we're going to do with the time that we have left. We're going to take some time now to lament, to actively express our grief. Um, We've identified some areas, and we can continue to do that, um, of loss that we have experienced in the last two years. They may be massive, they may be loads of tiny ones, but they're still there. We want to acknowledge them and bring them to God the greatest source of hope and joy. Um, and so we're gonna do um, something on our own and then we're gonna break into little threes and fours to do it together as well. But first of all, why don't we all um, close our eyes just for a minute. Let's just become aware of our breathing. and Let's try and slow it down. And I just just want to imagine um, seeing our closest friend for the first time since the pandemic began. And just them saying, how you doing? How has the last two years been? You say, oh, it's been okay. It's been some good stuff. There's been some bad stuff. And that friend pulls you down to one side and says, that bad stuff, tell me about that. I'm listening. Because this is what God wants to do this afternoon. He wants to take you to one side and say, hey, I'm listening.